The first Reformed Church of Schenectady, New York, was founded in 1680. At the back of the sanctuary hang the three flags of the three sovereigns under which the church has existed. The Dutch East Indies Trading Company, the United Kingdom, and the United States. And at the front of the sanctuary, the church's organizing charter signed by the King of England is enshrined in a stately, huge case. And so at the beginning of worship, the church sexton opens the charter's case and the elders, choir, and pastors proceed from under the three flags down the long center aisle with the elders taking their seat in the front row to oversee the preaching. It's really quite grand, <laughs> if you like that sort of thing. It is hard to miss the markers of history in New England. At every turn, there's some reminder of this battle or that birthplace. I was particularly fond of the garden plaques that read, on this site in 1742, absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> but those reminders of history also served to shape or shade the present. It was impossible to serve at First Reformed Church of Schenectady without being mindful of the past. I well remember the sense of being in a deep, long river. We were part of a tradition, carried along by currents more powerful than the present moment. We weren't alone. The river was full of those who came before and those who would be carried further along. There were times when the river rambled over rocky rapids or slogged through mucky, murky swamps. And there were places where the water was deep and wide and places where it slowed to a, to a trickle. But the river kept flowing. On the occasion of Hope's 60th anniversary, we have opportunity to reflect on our place in the river. With joy and thanksgiving, we rightly remember a Canadian with charisma called to plant a new church in a new suburb. The corner lot and a model home donated by a crusty, colorful character, the builder of these suburbs. A congregation that found identity as a refuge for all who couldn't fit or find their way in other churches. We remember those in the river with us. Ruth DeYoung. Albertina Vanderweel, Ellen Lubbers, John Van Vossen, 
Pete Post, Klandermans and Quastinites, Bill Lenters, et cetera, et cetera. All of them floating along to the music of Dora Deephouse and Lynn Hollander. We're mindful of the depth, the weaving, the wandering, and the long flow of the river. We paddle into the future with confidence in the river's current. You know, Bill and Fanetta Staub got married when she was 80 and he was 86. Couldn't keep their hands off each other. I saw it in my corner office, I'm telling you. Both were widowed. Both had family. Bill's brood numbering in the hundreds. And when Bill died at 99, they'd shared 13 good years together. In their wedding homily, I imagined a rowboat. The rowboats of most newlyweds are positioned close to the shore with their backs to a big blue expanse of water, newlyweds are eager to grab the oars and begin rowing. Their vision of the past is short. Their expectation for the future is long. Bill and Fanetta's boats had been in the water longer. There was good water ahead of them, but there was no missing that they'd already rowed a distance. They had a sense of history. They knew strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow because they knew God's faithfulness in the past. Dear friends, part of today's celebration is looking back down the river like a rowboat. We look backward to go forward. We remember our history. We, we miss loved ones. We recognize our limps and our losses. We confess our frailty and our missteps. And we celebrate God's faithfulness. Our hearts are full of gratitude. And we marvel at the distance we've already rode. Thanks be to God. And yet, listen again to Isaiah. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Forget the former things? Don't dwell on the past? Surely that can't be right. Clearly that's the wrong text for today. But consider. The Babylonians had overrun Israel, carried the Israelites into exile. And Jerusalem was in ruins. 
the temple destroyed, and the Israelites were strangers in a strange land, homeless, battered, powerless, lost. And to them, Isaiah announces God's coming deliverance. For 15 chapters, 40 to 55, for 15 chapters, the prophet poet offers encouragement and hope for the exiles. For example, this is Isaiah. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name. You're mine. Or the first lines of our text. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. Isaiah reminds the Israelites of their identity and their exodus from slavery so they can face the future without fear because of who they are and what God has done in the past. But, and that would be a good way to end today. But then there's this odd turn of phrase. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Rather than look to the past, they're to turn around and imagine what God will do in the future. Rather than a rowboat, the instruction is to get in a canoe. And Isaiah turns the previous imagery on its head. Rather than dry land through the waters, they were, there will now be water in the dry land. Rather than animals that scavenge, even vultures and jackals will find provision. And rather than dying of thirst in the wilderness, even there, God will provide water to drink. It's, it's a remarkable reversal. Uh, Sam Wells, a vicar of a church in London, suggests that this moment, uh, this is the heart of this today, Sam Wells suggests that this moment in biblical history is the pivot point for all of Scripture. So listen to how he puts it. I regard the exile in Babylon as the fulcrum of the Bible, where the pigeons of the Exodus and the covenant and the wilderness all come home to roost, and where the transformation of, in Christ is anticipated and foreshadowed. God restores creation shapes the kingdom and renews the church from people who are in exile 
of their own or others' makings. This is the moment where all the stories converge. So as we stand at this fulcrum, that seems like a helpful image to me. As we mark 60 years, that seems like a hopeful image to me. As we turn toward the future, that convergence seems essential. So what if we came at it this way? You're still with me? Joe? The Jordan River runs from the Sea of Galilee down through Israel-Palestine and eventually spills into the Dead Sea. But the headwaters of the Jordan are a series of springs or tributaries in northern Galilee or the Golan Heights, Syria. And these freshwater springs bubble up with life. In a desolate desert, they're fragrant, fertile, verdant oases. Springs of water literally gushing from rocks in the wasteland. I saw them. The Jordan is an artery that runs the length of the promised land through some rugged, harsh terrain. But its source are these springs and pools that are shaded, cool, gentle, and life-giving. So Isaiah invites the exiles to look not just back down the river, but to consider the source. To remember not just who they belong to and what God has done in the past, but to look to the creative, redemptive spring of life that's gushing forth from the very being of God. So to a people in exile, to those living under the boot of an empire, to those weary and worried, to those anxious about the future, to those who are short on hope and long on cynicism, Isaiah says, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? So rather than a river, Maybe today is about a life-giving spring, a pool of grace. It has the same contours of covenant, community, and compassion, but it's a new thing, bubbling up from the creative, redemptive heart of God. You know, the 60th anniversary committee asked Roz DeBoer to do a textile wall hanging. For the 50th, we commissioned an anthem. For the 60th, we went with art. We didn't give Roz any direction. 
We trusted the artist and the spirit. And she went to the source. She went to water bubbling up, to a pool of grace. So now hanging in the narthex, that's the lobby, just around that corner. Now hanging in the narthex is a beautiful piece that Roz entitled Gathering. And these lines that she wrote speak to what she envisioned. A people gathering around the pond of grace. That's Hope Church. Accepting and inclusive. Helpful and healing. Joyful and intergenerational. We gather to be restored and renewed and leave to love and serve. I love that. I said that, she didn't, she didn't add that. <laughs> Dear friends, for 60 years we've gathered round the spring of grace in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus God is doing a new thing, a thing that bubbles up endlessly with hope, healing, joy, acceptance, abundant life, forgiveness, community, and love. This morning we baptized Sylvie in that pool. Thanks be to God. Amen. Look, I don't know what the future will hold. I don't know the next six months or the next 60 years. I do know it's easy to be discouraged and cynical. The terrors of war, economic instability, climate change, and today's political discourse feels like a wasteland. With our denomination poised to tear itself up over how to love same-sex attracted folks, or when faith communities splinter with disinformation and hubris, I do know it can feel like a wilderness. And it's easy to respond by enjoying the view from the rowboat. It's inviting to rest in the gifts and goodness of the past. It's tempting to make the past an idol, like First Reformed Schenectady. But our faith is in the life, death, and resurrection of God in Christ. Our hope is in the creative, redemptive, new thing that God would be doing among us. Our call is to stay near the spring. Let's cherish the past and find their identity and the grace of God. Let's redouble our commitment 
to be a refuge, an oasis of hope for all. And let us turn to the future without fear because God will continue to do a new thing among us. God in Christ will provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Amen.